It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Rico Bronia, off-season edition. I think I'm enjoying off-season Rico more than I enjoyed regular season Rico. But on this edition of Rico Bronia, we look back at some aspects of the failed 2023 season, the season that officially goes in the books as a 75-87 and 87 win season. They were indeed awarded that win from the suspended game against the Miami Marlins. And this episode will be our exit interview of this season. So the format is very simple. There are 10 questions. Pete will answer them. I will answer them. We'll give opinions. Some may be the same. Some certainly may be different in regards to what happened in this 2023 season. Some positive, some negative. It's obviously going to mostly be negative considering this season sucked, considering this was a failed season. So a little bit of a break from the Billy Epler stuff, a little bit of a break from the investigation into the New York Mets, just a sad, depressing look back at the 2023 season. Later on during this offseason, we will debate if this is the worst season in Mets history. I look forward to that debate because there are many seasons from our lifetime that are certainly on that Mount Rushmore of bad. Well, this definitely ranks up there regardless. There's no doubt about it, right? Oh, no doubt. This is in the Mount Rushmore. No question about it. It's just a matter of does it pass other seasons. But more on that later. Uh, Let's start the exit interview with a positive. And that is the team most valuable player. Uh, I remember when we were at the All-Star break, I kind of made the argument to you, Pete, that David Robertson was the MVP of the team. And I stood by that. He was so valuable with how well he was pitching out of the bullpen. Well, he barely was on the team in the second half of the year because a few weeks in, the Mets made that shocking decision to trade him to the Miami Marlins. So, spoiler alert, David Robertson is not my team MVP. But I'll let you go first, Pete, on this. Uh, There's a couple of different ways you can go, but it's your call MVP of this 2023 season. Well, I, I think the easy choice for me is Francisco Lindor because the guy put together a 30-30 season. He got better as the team got worse. Um, and, he you know, he was there every day. You know, even when I, th- I think it was a um, – I think they had a kid. He had a kid and he still wanted to play ball. He showed up every day and he was just a true leader of the team. So, you know, putting together this type of season that doesn't happen often for the Mets, but there's only been three other players to do it. I would I would say that he is the guy because he was been he was the most consistent everyday player. Yeah, so it comes down to Lindor. Alonzo falls a little bit short. Brandon Immo falls a little bit short. To me, it comes down to two guys. It comes down to Francisco Lindor and Kodai Sango. Because Lindor went out there and started 159 games. He played in 160 games, like you mentioned. His overall numbers are fine. He, like everybody else, Alonzo too, slumped when they needed him the most. But I think that was everybody. You know, when you look back at June, which really kind of killed this season, nobody was hitting. Nobody was performing at a high level. So you got Lindor, whose overall numbers are fine. 31 home runs, 98 RBIs, the 31 stolen bases, an 806 OPS, just a shade under Pete Alonzo. He far and away had the best war on the team if you factor that in. Overall, his defense was good. There were some pivotal errors he made throughout the season. More on that later. But the reason I kind of fight towards Senga is this. There was nobody else 
I mean, when you think about this rotation in 2023 and you think about the innings they got out of their starters, there was nobody else. You know, Max Scherzer was there for a short period of time, and even he wasn't that good. Verlander was, I thought, better, obviously, than Scherzer and was solid, but you're only talking about 16 starts, and they missed him when they needed him the most. So who was actually there from beginning to end? And Kodai Senga was. And I know early in the season he wasn't giving them enough innings, some by choice of the Mets. They weren't pitching him on regular rest. Again, choice by the Mets. But at the end of the day, this rotation got very, very little out of anybody not named Kodai Senga. And his numbers are just so distinct from everybody else. So I think Lindor is a fine answer, and there's nothing wrong with it. But in a lot of ways, I think Kodai Senga was even more valuable because of the fact that they were getting nothing every five days from their other starting pitching. He ended up throwing 166 innings, which is 40 more innings than the most innings from the next starting pitcher. He had a 2.98 ERA. Guy went out and made every single start, 29 of them, and he got better as the season went on. So I'm not trying to be too cute with this because I think Lindor is a fine answer, but because they got so little from the rest of the rotation, I'd actually say the team MVP was Kodai Senga. Yeah, that was my other option. That was my other choice. I think those are the only, honestly, I think those are the only two you could even say on the team. There was really no one else. No one else played enough. No one else was was visible enough. No one others had way too long of a slump to really be considered. But you're right. The Sanga factor is he got better throughout the every with every, every start. I mean, my criticism was really early on about he walks too many guys, lets too many guys on base. Even then, he was fine. It wasn't until like the second half where he really started to become this like elite level pitcher. Yeah. No, I, I get you. All right, number two. Now we go to the negative. And you can answer this however you want. The biggest disappointment of 2023 from an individual player. And I'm telling you, there's like 10 different candidates. So would you want me to go first, Pete, or would you like to kick this one off as well? You go first because I'm torn between like 17 names. (laughs) He wants me to go first so he can like, it's like we're in high school again. He's going to cheat from my uh, paper. Well, I don't want to double down because, listen, I mean, there's so many people to go to. I wouldn't want to have the same name. But, I mean, like, I there really is, like, a, there's so many levels of disappointment on this team. It, it's so frustrating. But you you go. You go. You do it. Yeah, so I'll go through all the different candidates. Obviously, you'll mention some of these, and maybe one of these will be your guy. Max Scherzer's an absolute candidate. I mean, right off the top. Because we just talked about how bad the starting pitching was. And Max Scherzer, A, let them down whenever they needed him the most. Like, every start that was considered relatively big, whether it's the game at City Field against the Yankees, whether it's in Atlanta against the Braves, whether it's the game against the Red Sox on a Saturday night at Fenway Park, which really turned out to be the end of his tenure here when you really think about it. He came up small in every big spot. And then you factor in the sticky stuff from earlier in the season. They certainly needed him then. And then he's out of the rotation for a period of time while Verlander's on the IL. I think Max Scherzer is an absolute fine candidate. Um, I think that offensively, for the first half of the season, because his numbers ended up being, you know, I don't want to say good, but turned out to be certainly more respectable than the way they looked for a while, was Jeff McNeil. I mean, Jeff McNeil was a guy that won a batting title a year earlier And I'll give Jeff this. The guy went out there and played every single game. And his final numbers turned out to be a lot more respectable than the way they looked for the first half of the season. But Jeff McNeil was certainly a disappointing candidate. Starling Marte. 
I think statistically, you could certainly argue is the answer. Because A. Starling Marte barely played in the second half of the season, which turned out to be a good thing because he was so putrid. So putrid. Marte and McNeil almost rivaled each other in terms of big disappointment. The difference was Jeff was at least able to finish the season strong. Starling didn't, barely played. And McNeil was a lot more versatile and played a lot better defensively. But I'm going to give you the answer. I'm going to give you the guy, and it may surprise you. The most disappointing player in 2023 was Brett Beatty. Because Brett Beatty was one of the main hopes for where this offense was going to self-improve. For how this offense, coming off a year in which statistically they were good in 2022, but how were they going to get better? That was one of Pete's biggest concerns. That was a lot of people's concerns. And I thought the way they were going to do that was with their prospects developing. Now, more on Francisco Alvarez a little bit later on. Overall, I think you'd have to be pretty happy with the 25 home runs you got out of Francisco, despite the low average, despite the relatively low OPS, despite the peaks and valleys of his season. I think overall, you look at Alvarez and say, hey, he was really good defensively at 25 home runs. He did perform the way you would hope. Brett Beatty was a massive disaster. And considering we pushed in spring training, we all did. He's got to make the team. He's got to make the team. He's got to be the third baseman. Eduardo Escobar slumping. Beatty's got to make it. Beatty's got to make it. And he didn't, as we all recall. He was sent down to AAA, and then he tore the freaking cover off the baseball. He went down to AAA and let, picked up right where he left off from his success in spring training. And so, again, we're sitting there throughout early April screaming, you got to call up Brett Beatty. You got to call up Brett Beatty. When's Brett Beatty coming up? Brett Beatty, Brett Beatty, Brett Beatty, Brett Beatty. He's tearing up AAA Syracuse. Eduardo Escobar is struggling. And they finally decide, you know what? Let's just do it. You know, let, let's just call up Bill, uh, Brett Beatty and see what this kid has. And considering how hot of a prospect he is, how high of a prospect he is, how well he performed in spring training when we saw him from day one and what he was doing at the AAA level. He comes up in the middle of April. We're all ecstatic. And he hit a little bit early on. Like he came up and he was not bad. I'd say for the first three weeks of his tenure with the Mets, he was relatively productive. And then he fell off the rooftop. It wasn't his defense it was his offense. He saw his batting average dip and dip and dip, and he couldn't hit lefties and dip and dip until finally the Mets decided to send him down in the middle of August. The fact that was even an option was incredible. But his average had dipped so low, 216, 289 OPS, a 620 OPS when they finally send him down. 289 on base is what I meant to say. So they send him down. And at that point, it's a lost season. The Mets had already sold off. They're going nowhere. Even when they recalled him three weeks later, there wasn't really much he could do to help his value. And then he was worse. And over the final month of the year, he continued to struggle. He had a couple of moments, hit a home run against the Marlins, uh, hit a home run against the Phillies. Like he had some flashes, but Brett Beatty's overall numbers were absolutely putrid. He ended up hitting 212 for the season with a 598 OPS. And I think when you combine that with the hope that we all had at the beginning of the season, and I don't even know what we think of him now. You know, he's about to turn 24 years old. 
Is he given an opportunity to win the third base job next year? Is he handed the third base job next year? Is Beatty back in AAA next year? I think we go into this offseason with complete uncertainty about what Brett Beatty is. And while there are a lot of options for disappointments, a lot of those disappointments are veteran players, and you move on from them. Brett Beatty is supposed to be the future of this team, and now we're uncertain about what he is. So my answer for biggest disappointment, Brett Beatty. Well, uh, good thing you went first because I wasn't going to choose him anyway. Uh, I, I'm surprised <laughs> you didn't talk about the elephant in the room, Daniel Vogelback. And now I guess he's not disappointment because we all knew he sucked before the season started. I guess so. I guess you can't. And, and can't I guess you can't throw that in there. I my biggest disappointment might surprise you, but it's Justin Verlander because this is almost the Aaron Rodgers effect. We once we signed Justin, once we said goodbye to Jacob Degrom. Justin Verlander, I don't even think Max Scherzer, I believed he was going to be as good as he was last year anyway. I didn't think he was going to stay healthy. So I was, I looked at the season as Justin Verlander, the Cy Young winner from last year, is coming to be a Met. This is our guy. This is going to be our horse in the, in, the, in the rotation that we're going to have to rely on. And he pitched 16 games. And they were probably meaning Every single one of them was probably meaningless. He, he didn't pitch lights out. He uh, only 81 strikeouts in 94 innings. 94 innings, dude. That's pathetic. We spent we spent 40 million dollars for 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 94 innings. <laughs> it's gross. I mean, I mean, listen, Edwin Diaz pitched less than that, but still, he got hurt the whole season. It, it, this was just as far as a overhyped free agent signing. This was one of the most brutal signings of all, and we barely got to use him. I, I see what you're saying. You know, the idea that we paid this man or Steve Cohen paid this man $45 million for this season and then really more when you factor in to paying off part of the contract next year and he only made 16 starts. It's weird. <laughs> He's like never... He was almost like he was never a Met. That's sort of the way I look at Justin Verlander. He's going to be a forgotten about mercenary while Max Scherzer won't be. You know, Max Scherzer will be one of those guys we boo when we see him in a highlight video 10 years from now. I don't know if that's the case with Verlander. The problem, uh, the thing I push back on is that he wasn't bad. Like, the circumstances is what really led to the fact that he only made 16 starts as a New York Met. It wasn't necessarily him. He was a small part of it. Like, he wasn't perfect. Uh, you know, one start in particular jumps out at me is him coming up small in Atlanta in the finale of that series in June. But... His only making 16 starts was a lot more because of other people than it was him. Yeah, but here's the thing is, he this team was flailing. And like you said, that, that Atlanta start where he went three innings and gave up four runs or five, Brutal. five runs. It was terrible. Brutal. But, but prior to that, too, like he... In the first in in May, he had two starts where he gave up six runs in five innings. That it wasn't really lights out. Uh, Justin Verlander, he didn't start getting good until June 26. By then, we were done. 